Chapter Twenty One of Old Old Fairy Tales, Prince Cherry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. There was once upon a time a king, who was so praiseworthy and irreproachable in his conduct that his subjects called him King Good one day as he was hunting a little white rabbit being closely pursued by the hounds threw itself into his arms the king stroked the little rabbit and said since you have placed yourself under my protection i will not see you hurt he carried the rabbit to his palace and had a pretty little house made for it and gave it nice herbs to eat in the night while the king was alone in his chamber suddenly a beautiful lady appeared she wore neither gold nor silver but her gown was white as snow and her head was crowned with a wreath of white roses the good king was very much surprised to see this lady for his door was closed and he was puzzling himself to conceive how she had found an entrance when she said to him i am the fairy candid passing through the wood while you were hunting i was curious to know if you were as good as everybody says you are to ascertain this i assumed the shape of a little rabbit and took refuge in your arms for i was sure that he who would pity a little rabbit could not be unmerciful to his fellow-creatures while had you refused me your protection i should have concluded that with all your show of goodness you were wicked in your heart i am come to thank you for your kind offices to me and to assure you that i will always be your friend you may command me in all things within my power and i promise to grant you all you desire madam said king good since you are a fairy you ought to know all my wishes however i have an only son of whom i am very fond and who is called prince cherry if you have any affection for me become for my sake the friend and protectress of my son most willingly said the fairy i can make your son the handsomest the richest or the most powerful prince in the world choose whichever of these gifts you like best for him i desire none of them for my son answered the good king but i will be very much obliged to you if you will make him the best of all princes of what service to him would be his beauty or his riches or the possession of all the kingdoms in the world if he were wicked you know very well madam that he would notwithstanding be unfortunate and that it is the practice of virtue alone which can confer happiness you have well spoken said candid to the king but it is not in my power to make prince cherry a good man in spite of himself virtue must be attained it cannot be endowed or it ceases to be a virtue all that i can promise you is to give him good advice to point out his faults to him and to punish him if he will not correct and punish himself by repentance king good was very well satisfied with this promise and shortly afterward he died prince cherry wept very much for his father for he loved him with all his heart and would have given all his gold and his silver and all his kingdoms to have saved his father's life but who can change the course of fate two days after the good king's death as cherry was reclining on a sofa the fairy candon appeared to him 
i promised your father said she addressing herself to him to be your friend and to keep my word i am come to make you a present she then placed on cherry's finger a little gold ring and continued take great care of this ring it is plain but it is more precious than rubies more valuable than diamonds whenever you are about to commit a bad action it will prick your finger but remember that if in spite of its warnings you persevere in an evil deed you will forfeit my friendship nay i shall become your enemy as she finished these words candid disappeared and left cherry very much astonished and delighted with his present he was for some time so wise and good that the ring did not prick him at all which gave him so cheerful an air that to his name of cherry was added by his subjects that of happy after a while as he was one day hunting he was so unsuccessful as not to take anything whatever this put him in rather an ill humour and he thought that he felt his ring pricking his finger but so gently that he did not take much notice of it as he was returning to his chamber his little dog bibi ran as usual to meet him and leaped round him to be caressed but the prince said down sir i am not in a humour to play with you the poor little dog who did not understand him pulled him by his clothes to make cherry notice him at least this made cherry so angry that he gave the little dog a heavy kick when instantly the ring pricked him as sharply as if it had been a pin surprised ashamed and confused he seated himself in a corner of his chamber saying to himself surely the fairy is making sport of me for what great crime have i committed in kicking an animal that was teasing me to what purpose do i rule over a large empire if i may not even beat my dog i am not making sport of you said a voice in answer to the thoughts which were thus passing in cherry's mind you have instead of one committed three faults you first lost your temper because you cannot bear to be crossed even in trifles but think that men and beasts are made to obey you you next put yourself into a foaming passion with your dog who could not understand you which is very bad and lastly you were so mean-spirited as to be cruel to the poor animal who did not deserve ill-treatment i know that you are much above a dog but if it were reasonable and permitted for the great to ill-treat those who are beneath them i could at this very moment beat or kill you since a fairy is more powerful than man the advantage of being the ruler of a great empire does not consist in the power of committing all the evils to which we feel disposed but in the practice of all the good that lies within our power cherry though humbled and ashamed had not yet lost his candour he acknowledged his faults and promised to correct them he did not however keep his word he had been brought up by a foolish nurse who had spoiled him in his infancy if he wanted anything he had only to cry to fret or to stamp with his feet and that silly woman gave him all that he cried fretted or stamped for and thus had made him passionate and obstinate she had also told him from morning till night that he would one day be a king 
and that kings were always very happy because their subjects were bound to obey and to respect them and because no one could prevent their doing as they pleased however when cherry grew a little older and began to observe and reflect he became aware that nothing is so odious and particularly in the highest stations of society as to be proud haughty and obstinate he made some efforts to correct himself but he had contracted a bad habit of giving way to these faults and a bad habit is very difficult to overcome he had not naturally a bad heart he cried with vexation after committing a fault and would say how unfortunate am i to have thus always to oppose my anger and my pride if i had been corrected when i was young i should not now have so many vices to overcome his ring soon pricked him very often sometimes he stopped at its warning and at others continued his course in its despite and what is rather singular in the construction of the ring was that it only pricked him gently for a slight fault but when he was very wicked it actually drew blood from his finger at last growing impatient at its friendly severity and wishing to be wicked at his case he threw his ring from him he thought himself the happiest of men when he was thus freed from his admonisher he abandoned himself to all the folly that entered into his mind so that he became very wicked indeed and was the terror and the disgust of his subjects one day as cherry was walking in the fields he saw a young girl sitting by a brook so extremely beautiful that he at once resolved to marry her she was called zelia and was as wise as she was beautiful cherry accosted her thinking that zelia would esteem herself very happy indeed to become a great queen but to his astonishment she replied with much frankness to his addresses sire i am but a shepherdess and have no fortune but notwithstanding that i will never marry you is my appearance then displeasing to you asked cherry a little moved no my prince answered zelia i find you as you really are very handsome but of what use to me would be your beauty your riches the fine clothes the magnificent carriages that you would give me if the evil actions of which i should daily witness the performance should force me to despise and to hate you cherry went into a violent passion at this and commanded his officers to conduct zelia forcibly to his palace he was occupied all day with reflections on the contempt that she had shown for him but as he still loved her he could not determine to ill-treat her among cherry's favorites was his foster-brother whom he had placed in his entire confidence this man whose inclinations were as low as his birth flattered his master's passions and gave him very bad advice on seeing cherry very sorrowful he asked him the subject of his grief and the prince having answered him that he could not endure zelia's contempt and that he was resolved to correct his faults as it was necessary for him to become virtuous to please her that wicked man said to him you are very good really to be willing to constrain yourself for the sake of a little girl if i were in your place i would compel her to obey me remember that you are king 
and that it would be a disgrace for you to submit to the caprice of a shepherdess who should be too happy to be admitted into the number of your slaves make her fast on bread and water put her into prison and if she remain adverse to marrying you put her to a cruel death and thus teach others to yield to your wishes it would be disgraceful were it known that a simple shepherdess could turn you from your course or resist your inclinations on that day will all your subjects forget that they are born only to attend on you but said sherry shall i not be disgraced if i put an innocent person to death for after all zelia is guilty of no crime no one can be innocent who refuses to yield to your wishes replied the confidant but supposing that you committed an unjust action even that would be better than that it should be said you allowed any one to show you a want of respect or to contradict you the courtier attacked cherry on his weak side and the fear of seeing his authority diminished made so much impression on the king that he repressed his first impulse to correct himself he resolved to go that same evening to the room in which the shepherdess was confined and not to spare her if she still refused to marry him cherry's foster-brother who still feared the force of some good inclination assembled three young lords as wicked as himself to carouse with the king they supped together and took care quite to overturn this poor prince's reason by making him drink very deeply they artfully excited his anger towards zelia and made him so ashamed of his weakness toward her that he rose from the table like a madman and swore that he would at once make her obey him or that she should be sold the next day for a slave on entering the shepherdess's room cherry was very much surprised not to find her therein for he had kept the key in his pocket he went into a terrible rage and vowed vengeance on all whom he suspected of having assisted her escape his confidants hearing him talk thus resolved to take advantage of his anger to sacrifice a lord who had been cherry's guardian that good man had sometimes taken the liberty of telling the king of his faults for he loved him as his son at first cherry thanked him he gradually however grew impatient at his remonstrances and at last thought that it was in the spirit of opposition only that his guardian found fault with him when everybody else praised him he ordered him to withdraw from the court but notwithstanding that order he would say from time to time that he was a good man and although perhaps he no longer loved him he could not help esteeming him in spite of himself the confidence therefore were continually in fear lest he should take it into his head to recall his guardian and they believed that they had now found a favourable opportunity to get rid of him for ever they gave the king to understand that suleiman which was his worthy guardian's name had boasted that he would set zelia at liberty and three men were induced by rich bribes to say that they had heard suleiman affirm as much the prince in a transport of rage ordered his foster-brother to dispatch soldiers to fetch his guardian chained like a criminal after giving this order cherry went out into the grounds of the palace and threw himself on the grass feeling very miserable 
almost directly afterward he heard the sound of a horse's hoofs and the fairy candid appeared on a white steed i promised your father said she to him in a severe voice to give you good advice and to punish you if you refuse to follow it you have treated my counsel with contempt you still preserve the outward appearance of a man but your crimes have changed you into a monster the horror of heaven and earth it is now time that i entirely fulfil my promise to your father by punishing you for your guilt i condemn you to become like unto the beasts whose inclinations you have adopted you have made yourself like the lion by your anger like the wolf by your gluttony like the serpent by outraging him who was your second father like the bull by your ferocity bear then in your form the character of all these animals the fairy ceased to speak and cherry saw with horror that her sentence was accomplished he had a lion's head a bull's horn a wolf's feet and a serpent's tail in a moment he found himself out of the grove and in a large forest on the border of a rivulet in which he saw reflected his horrible transformations he heard a voice saying behold and reflect on the condition into which your crimes have reduced you your soul is a thousand times more frightful than your body cherry recognized the voice of the fairy candid and in his fury turned round to spring upon and devour her had it been possible but he saw no one while the same voice continued i laugh at your weakness and rage i go to confound your pride by putting you in the power of your own subjects cherry thought that by removing from the rivulet he should lessen his troubles since he would no longer have his ugliness and deformity before his eyes so he penetrated into the wood but he had not advanced many steps when he fell into a pit that had but been dug to entrap bears in an instant the huntsman who had been concealed in the trees came down and having bound him in chains they conducted him to the capital city of his kingdom on the road instead of acknowledging that he had drawn this punishment on himself by his faults he cursed the fairy gnashed his chains between his teeth and abandoned himself to his fury as he approached the capital he perceived everywhere great rejoicings and on the huntsmen asking what had occurred they were informed that prince cherry who only took delight in tormenting his people had been destroyed in his chamber by a thunderbolt for thus it was believed the gods added their informants could no longer endure the excess of his wickedness and have rid the earth of the monster it was stated also that four lords his accomplices in crime thought to profit by his destruction and to share the empire between them but that the people who knew that it was by their evil advice that the king had fallen had cut them in pieces and had offered the crown to suleiman the good man whom the wicked cherry had wished put to death that worthy guardian of the late king has just been crowned said an old man and we celebrate the day as that of the kingdom's deliverance for he is virtuous and will restore peace and abundance to the land cherry groaned with rage at overhearing this discourse but it was much worse for him when he arrived at the large square before his palace 
he saw suleiman on a superb throne and heard all the people bless him and pray for his long life that he might repair the evils they had suffered under his predecessor when suleiman expressed by signs that he wished to be heard and thus addressed the multitude i have accepted the crown you have offered me said he but it is only to preserve it for prince cherry he is not dead as you believe him to be a fairy has revealed to me his destiny and perhaps you may yet see him some day as virtuous as he was in the early years of his reign alas he continued weeping flatterers seduced him i knew his heart it was formed for virtue and but for the poisonous discourse of those around him he would have been the father of us all detest his vices but pity his misfortunes and let us unite to pray the gods to restore him to us for my part i should be but too happy to bathe his throne with my blood could i but see him once again ascend it with such disposition as would make him fill it more worthily suleiman's words touched cherry's heart he then felt how sincere had been the fidelity and attachment of this good old man and for the first time since his punishment he felt remorse for his crimes softened by this good feeling he felt the rage that had agitated him gradually cool he reflected on the many crimes of his life and acknowledged that he was not punished so rigorously as he deserved he ceased to struggle in the iron cage in which he was confined and became as quiet as a lamb he was conducted to a large menagerie in which were kept all sorts of monsters and wild beasts and he was chained up among the rest cherry resolved that he would lose no opportunity of repairing his faults he therefore conducted himself very obediently toward the man who had the care of him this man was a ruffian and although the monster was very gentle yet he beat him without rhyme or reason one day as his keeper was lying asleep a lion having broken his chain sprang upon him to devour him cherry could not for a moment prevent a slight emotion of joy at seeing himself about to be thus delivered from his persecutor but he immediately repressed this feeling and anxiously regretted that he was not at liberty i would return said he good for evil by saving the life of this unfortunate no sooner had he thus determined than he saw his cage door open he sprang to the assistance of the man who was awakened and defending himself against the lion the keeper thought he was lost indeed when he saw the monster but his fear was soon changed to joy the beneficent cherry sprang upon the lion strangled it and crouched himself humbly at the feet of the man whom he had just saved penetrated with gratitude the keeper would have caressed the monster who had done him so signal a service but as he stooped he heard a voice saying a good action never goes unrewarded and at the same moment to his great surprise he saw but a pretty little dog at his feet cherry charmed at his metamorphosis leaped upon and caressed his keeper who took him in his arms and carried him to the king to whom he related the wonderful occurrence that had just taken place the queen charmed with his goodness wished to have the dog 
and cherry would have been very well contented with his new condition could he but have forgotten that he was once a man and a king the queen daily overwhelmed him with caresses but greatly feared lest he should grow larger than he then was she consulted her physicians who told her that to prevent his growth it was merely necessary to feed him on bread only and to give him but a fixed allowance of that poor cherry was thus in danger of dying with hunger but he felt that it was necessary for him to be patient one day directly after his bread had been given to him for his breakfast he took it into his head that he would go and eat it in the palace garden he took it in his mouth therefore and went straight toward a stream which he recollected as being a short distance from the palace but to his surprise the stream was no longer there and in its place he saw a large house the outside of which was brilliant with gold and precious stones he observed an immense quantity of men and women magnificently dressed all going into this house and from the interior he heard singing dancing and other indications of the good cheer that was to be found there but he observed that all those who quitted the house were pale thin covered with sores and nearly naked for their clothes were torn to tatters some fell dead as they crossed the threshold apparently entirely exhausted others remained stretched on the ground at a short distance from the door dying with hunger and a few only had sufficient strength to drag themselves away the poor creatures who were lying on the ground begged with tears for a morsel of bread from those who were going into the house but were passed by without even a look cherry observed a young girl who was trying to gather some grass to eat and touched with compassion said to himself i have a good appetite tis true but i shall not die of hunger before my dinner-time and if i sacrifice my breakfast to this poor creature perhaps i may be the means of saving her life he resolved to obey this good impulse and put his bread into the young girl's hand who carried it with avidity to her mouth she soon appeared to be entirely restored and cherry transported with joy at having succored her so opportunely was thinking of returning to the palace when he heard loud cries it was zelia in the hands of four men who were dragging her toward the fine house and were about to force her therein cherry then regretted that he had lost the shape and powers of the monster which would have enabled him to rescue his zelia while as a weak dog he could only bark at her enemies and follow close at their heels he was driven away with kicks and curses but he resolved not to leave the place and to ascertain what became of zelia he upbraided himself with that beautiful girl's misfortunes alas said he to himself i am irritated against those who are now carrying her off but have not i committed against her the same crime and if the justice of heaven had not frustrated my intentions should i not have treated her with as much indignity cherry's reflections were interrupted by a noise which he heard over his head he saw a window opened and his joy was extreme at perceiving zelia who threw out of the window a plate full of victuals so nicely cooked that the very sight of them was enough to create an appetite the window was immediately closed again 
and cherry who had not eaten all day thought that he might as well take advantage of this opportunity he was just about to eat when the young girl to whom he had given his bread uttered a cry and taking him in her arms poor little animal said she touch not those tempting viands that house is the palace of luxury and all that comes from it is poisoned at the same time cherry heard a voice saying you see again that a good action does not go unrewarded and he was immediately changed into a pretty little white pigeon he remembered that this was the color of the fairy candid and he began to hope that she might yet restore him to her good graces his first wish was to go to zelia and rising in the air he flew all round the house he saw with joy that there was a window open but in vain did he fly all over the house he could not find his zelia there he resolved however not to rest until he should meet with her he flew onward for many days and having at last entered on a desert he perceived a cavern into which he entered conceive his joy zelia was seated therein by the side of a venerable hermit and was sharing with him his frugal meal cherry transported flew on to the shoulder of the shepherdess and expressed by his caresses the pleasure he felt at seeing her again zelia who was charmed with the little bird's gentleness softly stroked him with her hand and although she thought he could not understand her she told him that she accepted the gift that he had made her of himself and that she would always love him what have you done zelia said the hermit you have just pledged your faith yes charming shepherdess said sherry to her resuming at that moment his natural form the end of my metamorphosis depended then on your consent to our union you have promised to love me always confirm my happiness or i will conjure the fairy candid my protectress to restore me to that form under which i had the happiness to please you you need not fear her inconstancy said candid who quitting the figure of the hermit under which she had been concealed appeared in her proper person zelia loved you when first she saw you but your vices obliged her to conceal from you the passion with which you had inspired her the change that has taken place in your heart allows her to give way to your tenderness you will live happily together since your union will be founded on virtue cherry and zelia threw themselves at the fairy candid's feet the prince could not sufficiently thank her for her goodness and zelia enchanted to learn that the prince had abandoned his errors confirmed to him the pleasing confession of her love rise my children said the fairy to them i will transport you to your palace i will restore to cherry a crown of which his vices had rendered him unworthy she ceased and cherry found himself with zelia in the chamber of suleiman who charmed to see his master return restored to himself and to his virtue joyfully advocated the throne and became again the most loyal of his subjects cherry and zelia enjoyed a long and happy reign and it is said of the prince that he thenceforward applied himself so zealously to his duty 
that the ring which he had recovered with his form never pricked him again so as to draw blood. End of chapter 21